On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by cardiologist Dr. Paddy Barrett, chatting all things cardiovascular disease. The way I look at this is that the the two statistics that everyone should really be aware of is cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death globally and in most developed nations, but it's also the most preventable. 90% of it can be prevented at an early stage if you just follow the right steps and formula. So I look at it as a, a scary opportunity. As ever available on all podcast platforms. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time Imon Irokti Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligam, a Makan Shah, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestin Echol. Vientalam Aginom Griv, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. With the World Cup kicking off tomorrow, the Indo Daily presents a special sister podcast to follow football's biggest tournament. Introducing the Indo World Cup, available wherever you get your podcasts. Heard people say, but you know, almost dismissing England as because of the draw they've had in the last couple. Of years. You've got to beat what's in front of you. It seems like the debate in Brazil at the moment is they have all this sort of attacking talent, but how attacking are they going to be? If you know anything about professional footballers, they're driven and selfish, and it won't bother Bruno Fernandes in the slightest what he thought about what Cristiano did to Manchester United if he can deliver from Portugal. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Indo World Cup, coming live from our brand new studios in Dublin. Uh, I'm Aidan O'Hara and every game day morning throughout the tournament in Qatar, we'll be bringing you the latest news, reaction and previews to what's sure to be a World Cup like no other. Today, for one day only, I'm joined by Daniel McDonald, Irish independent soccer correspondent, in studio before he jets off to the desert. How are you, Dan? I'm good, yeah, it's nice to be in the studio, um, but yeah, we'll be... We'll be talking remotely for the rest of this experiment. Yes, absolutely. Like you're going to be on the ground in Qatar. Obviously, it's it's coming along quick with you know mid season and all that. It's it's really it's really coming everybody fast. What are you expecting w- when you get over there? I, I'm not I'm not entirely sure to be honest. Um, I, you can see like from the people who've arrived very early, you can get a sense of what the atmosphere is like on the ground. Like is it is it real? Is it manufactured? You know, is it sort of. Um, and, and, and you know that's not how, like that's not exactly out of sync with some previous World Cups I've attended. I mean, this is the fourth World Cup I've gone to, um, South Africa and Russia in particular probably would have had um, cosmetic elements to it in various ways, in different ways. Probably Russia more pronounced, um, Brazil a little bit different, a little bit more authentic. Um, but this one, it's very hard to know. I mean, it's a, it's it's well documented. The issues with the country uh, we, we will cover these all in due course absolutely, um, absolutely. And, it, and it's very hard to summarize it into one sort of neat window but i think everyone is aware broadly why this hosting is so controversial you're going to a country with no expert no history of hosting this volume of travelers mm-hmm. even if the volume of travelers may be smaller than previous world cups um it's a winter world cup there are stadiums that have all been put up we don't know what the sort of demographic of of fans in the stadium yeah, will be yeah. Um, so there's a huge unknown and I think from speaking to anyone I know that's that's traveling out there everyone sort of feels the same there's no sense of knowing what's coming it's more a sense of 
what way is this going to go? Yeah, I think the word authentic there is a very, very good word. I mean, everything about World Cups is is about history, where, you know, you look back into, depending on what age you are, you know, everyone has a first World Cup they remember, but they know about World Cups before they were born. They know about Jules Fontaine. They know about things that happened, you know, 1966, all that. I think that element of lack of authenticity about the whole bid going back from from when it was when it was given to to now even with the building of, of stadiums and that kind of thing where it, it's really really difficult to know how to feel about it you know it's just it's it's, conflicted yeah. i yeah. think there's no other way to describe that and i think you're always very much conscious of um you know it's like virtual signaling or something mm-hmm. to to you know to be all overly performative around that and and talk about well how terrible it is while you're going like mm-hmm. you know you have to be very conscious of of probably uh, striking the balance in the sense that this is the biggest sporting event in my view mm-hmm. um, Absolutely. in the world um each one has a story like every tournament has a story to tell um and often but not always but often it's wrapped in with the history of the country like Italian yes, in its own way is wrapped in with Italy yeah Ness and um, Dorma and all that you know that, all, all that. that stuff Qatar it's it's that there's no there's no charm there's no charming anthem here um, but this is the story of the tournament and possibly it's going to be even more pronounced version of that and I think um, it's there is that sense of knowing going there that this competition is never just going to be about the football um, and again previously South Africa there was a the huge symbolism of it being in Africa um, you know Brazil there was concerns about the finances being spent on stadiums in a country with huge poverty Russia probably the one I would <laughs> in a way would almost have regrets about because in the sense that I think a lot of people probably did take their eye off the ball a bit yeah, there, was, um, there was a consistent outrage about, about Qatar almost since it's since it was since it was announced but the Russian when you think back on it there wasn't a huge amount this kind of element of sports washing uh, conversation pre-Russia I wouldn't have thought looking back no and but the voices were there um, but I think the, the reason why Russia um, got away with it a bit more is that it does have a football tradition yes. and maybe in my own head like I mean I had a good time in Russia and mm-hmm. now it's 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 almost embarrassing to say it um, because uh, you, you, you do feel a little bit of guilt for almost saying that but you, you go to sort of places like Kazan uh, you know Samara you know all of which have sort of top level clubs there mm-hmm. and Know, passionate football fans who were like this is great you know we we love our football and it's coming here and there would have been people I and mean, i would have written about it at the time you know every second person would be oh what do you think of putin what do you think of us yeah. and you would have met people who, who were you know they weren't they weren't brainwashed you know mm-hmm. but Absolutely. it wasn't there wasn't that sense that everything we do from this tournament has to be about this yeah whereas i feel with qatar there's a huge element of um, it's been so manufactured in a yeah. place with no infrastructure of any degree in terms of football that you have to accept that all of this has been played in an, in an illusion. It's like yeah. some kind of fantasy land that's been yeah. created. It's like a theme park. It's a football theme park that exists for a month. And as a result, uh, you can't just suspend your knowledge of that and just completely consume yourself in the football. I think it's going to be difficult, uh, in my opinion anyway, mm-hmm. everyone's different. I think it's going to be different, d- difficult to do that. Yeah, I, th- I think like the fact that it's in winter as well, it, you know, adds to the illusion of, of this. And as you said, we will come back to some of the issues to, to, to put it mildly that's, that's been going on around the World Cup. Do you think though that like the fact that it is mid-season, you know, go, going into more on-pitch activities, yeah. if you like, th- the fact that it's mid-season, is it something that like, 
there's a, looking through the teams, there's a lot of teams with settled coaches, with settled styles of play that, you know, they may not have had the preparation that you ordinarily would have leading into a World Cup that two, three weeks to get a few friendlies in and all that. But is that is that something that is not probably that important because everyone's coming off it from the same boat? Yeah, I mean that it, this is, I suppose, like it's it's the great unknown with this tournament. I, there there will be people of the opinion. There will be sort of people who would have a view you would you would respect their opinion who who think this could actually. And again, there's almost an element of guilt in mm-hmm. saying it that it has the potential to be a very good World Cup. Yeah, because you're not dealing with that end of season fatigue where you have players who by the end of the tournament are in their eleventh month of the season yeah. and running on empty. Um. Uh, now we, we we've seen in the build up to the competition, you know, one two week injuries become very significant, and mm-hmm. and some teams are going to be without big players, are going to have a diminished version of big players, um, and that that is very much true. But um, the only thing I would say though, like you, you, there there is a sense that yes, players won't be at the end of their tether, and they they they, they might be able to operate at a slightly higher intensity because of the time of year it is. Mm-hmm. They haven't got the same physical load they would have had on them in in the in the summer. Um, but we are still going to a place where it is the summer yes. and it's a particularly warm um, climate. Yeah. And as a result, even some of the games that have been played at 10 o'clock at night local time are going to be played in sort of 25 degree temperatures. Yeah. Yeah. So um, when you consider what you might find is that teams might start in in that good place. You know, they're not struggling, but... Um, the, the impact of a, a very tight calendar recently might might find more muscle and short term injuries yeah. that people accrue them along the way. Yeah, I think I mean Sadio Mane is obviously the big one that's probably been the, the biggest talking point really leading into it. I think players, whether by accident or design, have kind of got away with it relatively lightly. There hasn't been a huge, you know, someone hurts their hamstring and they're gone. I mean obviously Pogba's Pogba's out, Kante's out. There's obviously there have been people yeah. all the way along. That's always been the case in World Cups that people miss out unfortunately through injury. I think, like when you look at Group A, like Sadio Mane's fitness is the big, the big, uh, you know, asterisk to, to Senegal's hopes. With Netherlands, Senegal, Ecuador, and Qatar, Netherlands obviously would be in Ireland's group in in the in the next campaign. Where how do you see the Netherlands the, the clear favourites, clear and obvious favourites for that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the Mane factor is significant for for Senegal. I mean, with the hosts, um, I have to get into the habit of it's Qatar. Uh, it's, it's Qatar. I've been calling it Qatar all the time. Yeah. It's like it's Qatar. Yes. Um, they like they they're they've had the best preparation of anyone because they have been in camp for a long period of time. They've been able, um, surprisingly enough, as a dictatorship to uh, to to manage their their preparations carefully, and, and we'll probably deal with them a little bit more tomorrow. But in terms of the group overall, yeah, Holland are very solid. They don't have great goal scoring ability in mm-hmm. their side. I mean, Memphis is a very important player. Yeah. People who see the world through the Premier League will recoil yes, at that. Absolutely. But he's very important for them. Senegal, solid team, like in the African Cup of Nations, took them a little while to warm up. Um, and they have good players. I mean, they've got Mendy, they've got Koulibaly. It's not yeah. just a, a one-man operation. And they didn't concede a huge amount of goals in that But. Mane is a big factor. He is. I think the way it's set up, like there should be no excuse for Holland for not to get off to a fast start, really. No. Um, and they should be okay. But um, a lot of people seem to to rate Ecuador. They, they think that they're a young side that's going to be very good in a couple of years' time. Listening to sort of uh, some of the South American experts, they're saying just not to not to rule them out from being decent. And again, I know it's very 
I mean, your your cultural stereotypes, but I suppose the conditions, the climate won't bother them, and they're a young team, so they'll play with a bit of energy. I think that like that energy aspect of it as well. Obviously, football has changed an awful lot in terms of you you hear lots of stuff of pressing and counter pressing and high energy and all that. But with the tournament being, I mean, if if you're lucky, you might get a game that's twenty five degrees. So it's it's going to be very very difficult to kind of keep that huge kind of intensity up in such a short mm. window with, with with the games. Um we'll move on to group B now which is England is it coming home is it not England USA Wales and Iran. I think you know just looking through if you are taking boxes for England you know you have they did well in the last world cup they're a finalist in the euros they've got a group of players experienced players and some ones coming through like Foden, Mount, Saka mm. they would seem to tick every box in terms of what you'd be looking for in a World Cup winner but as you said earlier on seeing things through the, the eyes of the Premier League they also have Harry Maguire they have there's an element of the, has is you know has Southgate run his race it, is this one of these tournaments that they're going to have expectations going in and then fall flat on their face again? Yeah England are a tough one to call like and we'll probably like with France as well like how much is, does form matter like you know do, do these nations league struggles this year is that indicative of a decline of a manager who's lost his grip or is it more a case of this isn't that important to us um, everything this year is about December and uh, we are building towards it now the only thing is I mean they've conceded a high volume of goals in yeah. games um, and it does appear to be from the outset more of the former in the sense of maybe they've lost their way a bit but you are right I mean they have a, a great squad yeah. like for years we would you know you might have scoffed a little bit at times of, the, of English expectations I don't think they're misplaced in no, terms of like um, really with the group they have I mean they've got their act together in terms of their academy at the Premier League level and they're now producing genuine world class players um, such as Phil Foden mm-hmm. who's sort of a potentially a generational talent for England the question is how different is it to play for England than it yeah. is to play for Man City and that's um, you know Southgate is, is quite rigid in his approach um, he clearly believes that there's a way to navigate a tournament which has worked for him to a point but is that way does does that there's always that danger it's like sort of Martin O'Neill's third tenure with Ireland or something or third campaign with Ireland that uh, when you get to the end um, the players just n- not not a reflection of what went before but they just crave something different yeah I, I think the, around the England expectations I, I think where they're going to struggle in terms of getting to those expectations is the fact that they're almost they're two two different teams. They've got they've got a group of attackers that any team in this tournament would like to have. I mean, Harry Kane, proven goal scorer. They've got Saka, Grealish, Foden, Mount, Madison, Grealish behind mm. them, and then at the other end they've got Harry Maguire, Eric Dyer. Pickford is prone to mistakes. Ramsdale is prone to mistakes, and I think that's why, for all England's attacking talent. Um, I think that's why Southgate is going to be so rigid because he knows he has to protect Harry Maguire. He knows he has to protect Eric Dyer. So that so means Royce and Bellingham. Basically. So that means Royce and Bellingham or Royce and Phillips. So you basically have a team where you know Trippier might get forward or you know Luke Shaw might get forward, but you're going to have you're going to have six players whose job it is not to concede and four four players whose job it is to win the game. I think, and it, it, how far that can take them, it's difficult. Look, I expect them. Bit like bit like Netherlands, I, I I can't see unless you can, you know, USA, Wales, Iran. I can't see them being. You it's know, a tricky little group though. I I I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that they advance. I mean, 
Wales there's a sense they're on the little bit on the decline mm-hmm. um, you know it's still a little bit of a derby element you know mm-hmm. like there's there's still something that is the third game though yeah. so that's the only thing um, Iran you've got Carlos Kiros there um, they, they'll uh, set up in the first game yeah. against England to be absolutely 10 men behind playing the, the greatest yeah. hits but you've got to look at a wily old coach there <laughs> yeah. so whatever you might think about that and USA are, are okay and like they're probably building towards hosting the tournament in four years time mm-hmm. themselves um, but you see there's sort of a sprinkling of, of young American talent that's starting to pop up uh, in the Premier League and some of the better leagues and um, they're, they're not they're, they're okay so um, when you look at the, the competition like there's some nice sort of competitive groups here mm-hmm. and I think this is one that has the potential to be reasonably close mm-hmm. um, I fancy England to go through and but I'm just not sort of declaring it as a complete done deal mm-hmm. before we go on to Group C who do you see going through with them? Yeah, I just, I just, I, I just wonder. I just wonder, could the US get through? Yeah. Um, I just wonder if they have the capability to, they, to creep they, through. They there. look like a team. I think probably have a little bit more class than Wales, as you said. Wales a bit on the on the on the on the other side of, of their best. And speaking of teams on the other side of their best, Argentina, Messi in Group C. Obviously, Messi's current form is still exceptional. It's just not quite what it was there in the group now with Mexico. Poland, the Saudis, Saudi Arabia. You're looking at Argentina, Mexico. It's it's a strange. Obviously, Poland have Lewandowski, who's a, who's a, you know past his probably past his prime as well. It's just it's almost a it's the phrase you used earlier on the greatest hits, where you know when Argentina and Argentina and Poland are very much relying on a couple of players who are three or four years past their absolute peak. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Argentina sort of they're on this mad 35 game unbeaten run. And when they've won Copa America, Messi seems to suddenly be very happy playing for Argentina. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they 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 suddenly uh, seem to have sort of they're, they're missing Los Celso, um, and and like there's a there's a couple of teams in this group that are missing a few players. I think Mexico are down uh, one or two players that, that would be big players for them, and Raúl Jiménez would be very important, but um, has been a sort of hasn't been a hundred percent. But I, I think this is one actually where I, I, it's pretty clear. I think who will win this group. I think it will be Argentina. I'd have no doubts about that. Um, and they have the potential to go reasonably deep into this competition. Um, I mean, that's stating the obvious. The one thing is, I mean, like they hammered Italy um, in the final. What was that competition called? The, the finalissimo or something oh, like I'm that, which sure. is the uh, sort of a super cup effort for for countries. You know, in I, sense I, I, I struggle beyond the Euros and, and World Cups and Copa Americas. Beyond that, well, international competitions. Yeah, well, difficult. they hammered them. But like this is the thing that because of COVID, and this is the thing about Argentina and Brazil in this tournament, they haven't played very many European teams mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. Um, so the form guide, like Argentina's thirty-five game unbeaten run, sends terrific and yes. it is but there's not many games against European sides in there but they did destroy Italy mm-hmm. in that context um, so there's a little little bit of an unknown over how they fare because in 2018 um, I mean Argentina went out in that mad game to France I was lucky yeah. enough to be at that game but in that competition they were they were struggling they sort of crept through whereas now um, they're realistic candidates for second place I think that's this is possibly one of the weaker groups. I don't have a particularly strong opinion. It might well be Lewandowski can get Poland across the line, but again, that seems like a very predictable, uh, predictable prediction. Yeah, I wonder with I wonder with Real Jimenez whether he's one of these players at a you know with respect to them a, a middling club. This, the World Cup is 
by far the biggest thing in his you know in his career at the moment whether he's been kind of holding himself back a little bit he had a very very bad injury with Wolves so you know they're very much reliant on him um, in much the same it's it's going to come down probably to, to, to him and Ezri Lewandowski whoever comes yeah. out on top in that game to to um, to to get through um, in the Group D you know we've got the holders uh, France obviously no Pogba no Kante uh, but a huge amount of talent still there Denmark are in there Australia Tunisia Denmark's Euros obviously the last time was was overshadowed they were they were talked about as a dark horse for the last for the last Euros and obviously then Christian Eriksen mm. incident happened and you know they 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 recovered from that and obviously he recovered from that as well and he's he's still there it's a remarkable story this again would seem to be a, a, a group divided in half you know France France and Denmark look to be the two strong teams with Australia and Tunisia hoping to cause a shock it's it, it, it's really yeah. difficult to see beyond the two Australia um, I don't have a great crop at the moment I think they only have a handful of players in like the big five leagues I mean I suppose you might think back to like Harry Kuehl and Viduka yes, and Tim yeah. Tim Cahill time and, moves and, on fast and yeah they don't really have that um, that sort of depth of squad at the moment so the hopes for them don't appear to be particularly high um, Tunisia um, expected to be more defensive in their approach as well mm-hmm. Um you would think. I mean, Denmark and France were in the same Nations League group this year, and Denmark were, were comfortably better than France. Yeah. Um, and they're they're good. Like yeah. I mean, there's. I mean, I, I, we'll talk about dark horses later on. I mean, h- how dark are they? You know, in yeah. the sense of like uh, the form. The form is in the book for them. Yeah, they got to the semi. You know, they got sorry to the yeah to the semi final of the Euros with an incredible backstory, and yeah. they were running on empty at the end of it. Um, and they've carried that form into subsequent campaigns. So. Um, they're probably in a better place than France. They just obviously don't have a better squad. No. Um, and France have no Kante, they've no Pogba. Would Pogba have been too much of a distraction this time or would he have just gone back and played brilliantly for France again? Who knows? But they still have um, a sort of a depth of attacking talent and they still have Mbappe who, yeah. I mean, he still we, we could still be sitting here or chatting here in a month's time saying this was obvious. Yeah. Uh, this was staring yes. us in the face all along. Yeah. Um that he like he, he can be the outstanding talent in the world uh, aside from Haaland who's not here yeah. um if he clicks so um i think i think france you know okay Varane, like big players is he okay um and try to spine it aside who's going to play in midfield that's a question yeah. mark would it be rabio or Camavinga like what way will they yeah, will they Fofana go in is, there Fofana is of, of Monaco is another player that they, that is talked about too. It's that Guendouzi obviously who's ex again pre, prism of the Premier League Guendouzi ex Arsenal mm. but he's he's progressed a lot, a lot since the Arsenal days they they have a strength they're just one of these they're one of these countries that you don't tend to have a weak player in there they're all very good and some are exceptional it's just a case where you know Deschamps was there a long time can he get another kick out of them can he you know They've won it already. It's it's a GA phrase you hear a lot, but the hunger to go and yeah. to go and do it again, uh, especially with some of those players, the likes of Griezmann, and Giroud, some some of the older players, they'll have to be driven by the younger players. You know the Salibas and, and and players like that who'll have that determination to to refresh um, France and Denmark to go through. Then I, I think so. Yeah, I mean, you think about France. They won the last World Cup in the last Euros. They were coasting against Switzerland really, and they got done. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but I think Denmark and France to advance. But obviously, the order in which they go through could have big relevance for for how the competition opens up for them. Okay, we'll take a break there, Dan, and uh, after the break, we'll go through the rest of the groups and get some predictions as well.
Welcome back to the In the World Cup. Still joined the studio by Daniel McDonald. Uh, we have talked about groups that are kind of divided almost between too strong and too weak, and I think that's probably most pronounced in groups E and F, where group B, we've got Spain, Germany, Costa Rica, and Japan. And group F, we have Belgium, Croatia, Canada, and Morocco. Can you see any shocks across that? No, I feel a bit sorry for Japan because they actually have an okay squad. Like, and it, I think we've seen with the influence at Celtic and sort of various players that are popping up across Europe. That I think Japanese football is producing some some good talents, but they've ended up in an absolute nightmare of a group. I mean, it's just the way things worked out with the draw. And while um, the extent to which Spain and Germany are work in progress can be debated, you know, I think Spain in particular, um, although it's, I mean, they still actually quit themselves very well when it came to it the crunch in the in the Euros um, and Germany have got a, their own Euros in two years time I think they will go through as I said I feel for Japan I think if Japan were in one of the other groups you'd be sort of um, if they were in, in the group of sort of Qatar and Senegal or yeah, whatever yeah. you'd sort of be thinking or England's group yeah, yeah. Uh, you give them a chance it's hard to give them a chance but if there's one mad shock in the competition it might be Japan doing something in one of those games and do you think it'd be Germany who would be the, the one potentially yeah, yeah I think so yeah Germany are still mm, like you know Hansi Flick is there now and they're trying to sort of play in a progressive way but yeah they I mean they were the last World Cup pretty limply I know it's form guides have gone back four years Absolutely, and time yeah. can be dangerous there's always a bit that with international football but uh, no I think for them to go through Group F yeah, I think I think Croatia are still going to be a. I mean, they're actually they're bringing in some younger players, not just reliant on sort of Modric mm-hmm. and the older guards carry them. Belgium, probably the same comments with Belgium every time. Everyone thinks they're going to have a chance. The people inherently trust them mm-hmm. to get the job done in the latter stages, maybe not, but I think they trust them to get through the groups. They're in Morocco and Canada. Um, I think Canada actually could be a good story, mm-hmm. you know. But the problem that they have is that they have like Alfonso Davies, who's a exceptional player but yeah. he's inhibited by a problem yeah and that's a concern yeah absolutely i think there was some stat around belgium of i think it was was it 11 of their players had played more than 60 percent of all of martinez's games like so mm. you know in theory they should have continuity but again you're looking at them to get out of the group you would fancy them to get out of the group certainly but i think for the players they have they're probably expecting a little bit more this time around and they're on a difficult side of the draw as well so it's going to be hard to see them go all the way again the intensity the mid-season of that of that um just just the form yeah the they have a big performance in them i think do, in every yeah. tournament they have a big performance in them and I, I actually felt a little bit sorry for some of them some of the grief they got in 2018 because i was at the semi-final against france and they actually played okay in that mm-hmm. game um, but again at that time would have been Hazard um, and De Bruyne and yeah. it was the question of was, was De Bruyne delivering uh, obviously they're excellent against Brazil but I mean Hazard obviously his career has gone in a particular direction yeah. um, so it's just a, yeah it's 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 a core it's their goal and generation but they're sort of coming towards the end yeah they're starting to, to tarnish a little bit I think then group, group G now is one that you can certainly you know group of death there's always talk of a group of death Brazil Serbia Switzerland and Cameroon I mean you parachute any of those any of those four teams into any other group and you'd be saying they'd have a chance that yeah there's mixed vibes in Cameroon I think but certainly in terms of like the Serbia Switzerland one I think is tough mm-hmm. really tough like I don't know how you feel about because I think the funny thing about like the nature of international football right like is that we've got Portugal and Serbia in this competition and you feel like you know them pretty well Mm -hmm. because you've watched them play Ireland and I think a lot of people will talk about Portugal in a minute a lot of people externally will see Portugal on paper and go 
uh, Portugal we expect them to go far from my perspective having watched them play Ireland twice um, yeah. and they, they finished behind Serbia in the group yeah. I wouldn't be having Portugal at all yeah um, no I, I tend to agree with you on that I mean I think at least like Stephen Kenny was very impressed with Serbia whenever he was yeah. when he was speaking about the teams in the group even you know our, our, we did pretty well against them you know they have a certain they have a quality about them I think they've you know they'll, they'll retain possession very well which will be helpful in the kind of in the in the heat of, of Qatar you know Switzerland maybe not Switzerland not quite in the you know modern high press type of way they don't tend to, I think they play a little bit more traditionally but mm. like I think from from Brazil's perspective all of those games are going to be hard you know they're going to be Serbia Switzerland Cameroon they're going to be tough games you know you look at the other favorites you know France can probably obviously the game against Tunisia and will be tough from a you know it's not quite a local derby but there's a there's a you know there's a relationship should we say yeah. there across so they're gonna have a, they're gonna have a couple of hard games there you know England should be okay against Iran I think Brazil are gonna have to be right on it right from the start and whether they can keep that going for the you know the three and a half weeks of the tournament because when you look at it then you know if Brazil got to top the group as expected then you're probably looking at Uruguay or Portugal in the last 16 which is you know if there was such a thing as a European South American derby it would be Portugal and, and Brazil or else it'll be Brazil and Uruguay which is a South American derby and again that's four games and that's before you even get to a quarter final stage mm. Yeah I suppose the other way to look at that though was that um, Brazil and I mentioned it earlier like Brazil haven't been able to play uh, European teams at all mm-hmm. um, they were trying to arrange friendlies with them and have been able to do it and um you feel like they have a degree of dominance in their own patch. So I mean, if they ended up playing Uruguay or something, they'd probably like yeah. have some kind of mental edge over them. Um, I, I see what you're saying, but I, I think there's just a real depth to the Brazilian squad that it could have the opposite effect, like um, that the group could really answer some questions they have. Um, because it seems like the debate in Brazil at the moment is they have all this sort of attacking talent um, but how attacking are they going to be like obviously you're going to have it seems like Richarlison is going to be their central striker they've got Neymar they've got Vinicius and it's a question of how many more can they can they fit in like Casemiro is going to be sort of uh, minding the house but there's a question of what do they do in some of the other uh, those sort of midfield intermediate sort of uh, yeah. positions between midfield and attack and maybe you know games against decent level opposition like Serbia and Switzerland but not the the best level you can face but maybe better than what they faced yeah. in some of their in some of their sort of qualifying games might just get them up the pitch so you can you can flip that in a different yeah, direction yeah. like I see the point um, and there's obviously you know um, defensively what where are they going to go like um there's still a fondness for sort of uh, Thiago Silva there and, and 38 I think yeah like Danny Alves is in the squad mm-hmm. um, will it be Danilo um, but maybe the group might just allow them to establish the hierarchy within their squad and ready them for the knockout stages that's yeah. another way of looking at it yeah. sometimes you see teams that are fantastic in the groups and then they get caught cold in the round of 16 because they yeah. haven't really had a proper game yet whereas I feel like those teams will give them a proper game yeah no, they'll certainly have a much sharpness to them um, you know, if whatever position they come out of the group, we've got the final group now: Uruguay, Portugal, Ghana, South Korea. Obviously, Portugal, Cristiano Ronaldo. Low key, uh, low key, no low maintenance. Um, 
certainly at United he appears to have gone in terms of you know his his usefulness versus the trouble he causes is uh, has has gone to the wrong ratio from a United perspective. There was obviously that video with uh, Bruno Fernandez and and him in the Portugal dressing room there, which looked a bit of a you're never sure with these things as to you know the, the moment. It'll be overanalyzed. Kind of it'll but be overanalyzed. There, yeah. there was something in it, but like professional footballers, if you know anything about professional footballers, there are driven and selfish and it won't bother Bruno Fernandes in the slightest what he thought about what Cristiano did to Manchester United if he can deliver for Portugal do you see him delivering for Portugal? I mean like you think about it right I mean Ireland played Portugal when was that now that was what September 2021 in Faro uh, Ronaldo was a big obstacle to how Portugal played during the game in the sense that I think for Ireland um, their game plan it helped that Ronaldo was coming drifting out of his station and, and it, mm-hmm. it meant that a lot of the game was ahead of Ireland uh, and they could manage it and it was great and they lost 2-1 to 2 Ronaldo yes, that was so like yeah. um, th- there you go and and the question you have a Portugal is that you look at the, the good players that they have in the squad. Obviously, you know Jota's injured, but mm-hmm. um, you know between Bernardo Silva, Bernardo Silva, I think is a, a, a top, yeah. a really intelligent player, and Bruno Fernandes. But um, it's quite clear that Ronaldo has a central role in that side. But it's a bit like the Manchester United thing. It's like, will he do great things himself? Yes, but is he potentially still an obstacle to the team hitting the the ceiling of what it could achieve with yeah. the sum of the parts? That's the concern. Um, and again, like they're a tricky enough group, this you know, and and Ghana, even South Korea, yeah, they would they will be even the run of games. Like, do you need to? You know, how do you use him? Do you sort of um, protect him a bit? You know, and you have a situation as well where the manager is stuck around as well too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Fernando Santos has been around forever, yeah, and um, there seems to be a sense that I think Ronaldo has been booed by Portugal fans in recent memory. Uh, the manager seems to be un- unpopular, so because um, he's overstayed his welcome I think they've got a little bit of burnout potential mm-hmm. I have to say um, and Uruguay seem like a side that while they still have Suarez and Cavani and Diego got in and the, the lads are still going yeah. um, they have a little bit of a new generation they've got Valverde is one of the best players in Europe mm-hmm. in midfield Nunes. and they've got Darwin Nunes yeah. um, so I think Uruguay could win this group Ghana uh, they're always very entertaining at these tournaments with Chris Hutton is involved as technical mm-hmm. advisor Anything can happen with Ghana in this tournament. Yeah. They're generally a story. Um, of course, Ghana and Uruguay have history as well. They do, back, uh, yeah. 2010. So they're unpredictable. Um, and then what have you got? South Korea. South Korea, yeah. Who, I mean, it's, you know, it's Sun's situation obviously is a, a, a like slight Mane, worry little there. A little, little bit like Mane. Is yeah. That their hopes are basically pinned. Seems around. simplistic, but there's something in it. Like yeah. he definitely is a galvanizing figure. Uh, Portugal might scrape through, but I. Don't know if they'll go any further. I think Uruguay to top the group there. Yeah, okay. Well, that's one prediction for Group H. We're going to move on to predictions for the, the rest of the tournament now before we wrap up. We'll start with the obvious one. we start with the winners. Who do you think, Dan? Well, I've sort of answered it there. I, I still rate Brazil to do it. And I accept the points about their route. Um, and I accept that sometimes with analysis, there's a danger to just, again international football just hit on sort of these uh, points that you should make well you know the climate will be a factor and, mm-hmm. and you know the various sort of elements you can find but sometimes these things are true you mm-hmm. know like this is why it took so long for like you know European team to, to win in South America you know there's there's you know like Brazil um, they probably built towards this like you know they have the same manager for about five six years there's a degree of stability they have a deep squad they have the ability probably to play in different ways um i i think they are probably 
the strongest side in the competition. I think the, the European field is is deep, you know, mm. and, and there's there's a lot of different rivals. I'm not sure if there's an established hierarchy there. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I think, like, again, if, if you're having this conversation in an hour, I could probably give a different answer. Because yeah. when you start to sit down and you start to plot who's playing where, you know, you realise, oh, actually, they're going to play against each other. You know, and it all comes down to... France was the team that I, you know, looked at. We spoke about it earlier on, where, you know, Mbappe, you know, you see something obvious in front of you. You know, I, I think from, from that side of the draw as well I think is going to play a factor I think England I think have a big chance as well I, I because of the draw I think I think in a lot of ways because of the draw you know Brazil are going to as you said earlier on are going to have to come through in my opinion a tough group Uruguay or potentially a Portugal and then you're looking at Spain Belgium you know Germany Croatia it, it's a very very difficult route to the final now obviously that, that, that'll you know the last time around England had a relatively I've heard people say but you know almost dismissing England as because of the draw they've had in the last couple of years. you've got to beat what's in front of you and I, I don't think people t- when you get to winning a World Cup I don't think people tend to remember what your last 16 draw was what your quarter final draw was but I think no. it's certainly a help to have an easy game or two thrown in there um, in terms of dark horses then you know we've gone through obviously all the teams there I, I've it's Serbia or Switzerland for me. It's just whoever comes out. Of the, yeah, who of, do you of think actually group. comes out on top of that one, though? I think probably Serbia. Um, and again, we talk about the Premier League prism earlier on. There's the Ireland prism there as well, where you're clouded a little bit, but you've seen probably more of of Serbia than than you have of Switzerland. I think Mitrovic, his record is phenomenal. I think he's been saving himself a little bit for the last. Few weeks, that's, so. like a, that's the thing about Serbia. They have such a good squad, but they still he carried them through. Still, mm-hmm. yeah. I, 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 look, I, I think a goal scorer. It's so, so traditional way I think a goal scorer can carry you a long long way in this tournament and you know it, if they get through the group Uruguay Uruguay or Portugal probably in the last 16 for Serbia and then after that you know who knows mm. where, who you knows where you go dark horses for yourself yeah I mean our, our Denmark dark horses as I said they've, they've mm. been such an established they've become such an established sort of European top level side that I'm not sure if they are I just think there's a possibility they could win that group mm-hmm. um, and it might just you know that potentially open things up but they'd be playing the runners up in group C then wouldn't it be in the yeah you're looking at probably Argentina or Mexico yeah I think I think like if, if Argentina win that group like Denmark probably need to win the group to be real dark horses I'm yeah. not saying they do a job in Argentina but I just think they've got a chance of winning the group I think France could like like Mbappe in 2018 took them a while to warm into the tournament so if Denmark can can do that mm-hmm. uh, I'd give them a real chance the obvious one is to look at, I know you've for people looking and talking about dark horses I think that group H group G sort of scenario does open up the potential but again I'm not sure if Uruguay really count as dark horses but I think they've got a chance of going pretty far. And just finally, for a bit of a pin stickers guide, the top goal scorer, Golden Boot. There's been some great players, obviously, the likes of Ronaldo, just Fontaine, players like that who've won Golden Boot. And there's been Oleg Selenko thrown in there as well. Yeah. Like, there is a, there's always a possibility of someone, you know, Memphis Depay scoring five against Qatar or something like that. That, that could that could muddy the waters a little bit. But is there a player in particular that you'd pick out to try and to be top scorer? No, I mean, like, so I'm sort of disagreeing with myself. I mean, I'm talking about Mbappe starting slow, and yet I feel like France have some games in that group where he could actually run up a number potentially. Mm. Um, but 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 honestly, sometimes you look at the goal and boot stuff. I mean. Like Harry Kane, it'll probably England. You know, yeah. a couple of penalties. They're decent on set pieces. Can be a bit of a flat track bully as well. How many how many goals does it take? Like it it may well be 
that someone like Harry Kane is the answer. I think I've tr- I actually have tried to look at this, and you always try and find some sort of left field angle, mm-hmm. and I've struggled. Yeah. I think it's it's probably the ones we're talking about here, barring some sort of freakish event in one game, are going to be the ones uh, towards the top end. Yeah, well, we'll see how those predictions play out. We may play them back in a month's time, whenever we're. What's your prediction? Well, I was going to go with Harry Kane as well. You're going with Kane as well. I was going, I was going with Kane as well for the, the flat track bully element that he has, and you know, my get a few against Wales and I think the last 16 I think they'll get through I think they'll probably be strong enough whether they whoever they run into the quarterfinal might be a different story but I think I think five games for Kane might be enough for him to run up a number so that'd be that'd be my take on it we'll see how the yeah we'll see how it all plays out over the course of the next month and maybe play back these predictions mm. and see see how accurate we were Dan thanks for joining me today uh, we'll be back tomorrow where we'll go through the first game which is uh, Qatar and Ecuador and go into more detail on what we expect from the tournament uh, on the ground itself. Thanks for joining me, Dan. Thank you. Don't forget to like and follow the Indo World Cup wherever you get your podcasts.